Hello everybody and welcome back to Command Point. My name's Ryan and today I'm here with Shane. Hello. And uh, Shane, today we are going to be taking a look at the Void Dancer Troop Kill Team and the new issue of White Dwarf. Yeah, the new uh, new Harlequin team, which is pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty controversial, I would say. You know, Harlequins in the Compendium are already so good. A lot of people are thinking and, like, you know, saying, do Harlequins really need a White Dwarf team? Well... That is a question that I cannot answer for you. Um, but what I can tell you is about is what the Void Dancer troop is, how it differentiates itself from the Harlequins in the Compendium, and uh, how they work, and how we think they're going to be performing. Is that pun intended? Performing? Uh, yes. Um, so uh, let's just get into it. Ah, uh, Jesus. <laughs> Um, uh, so the makeup of the team is it's still eight models kind of like the compendium version convenient you have your lead player uh they've added a couple things and they've gotten rid of the uh the the player gunners which i think is for the best so now you can have a death jester and a shadow seer so Love that. This is really interesting, kind of like the last White Dwarf release where they had the Wormblade Heroes. I love that this is kind of the direction that they're going with some of these White Dwarf teams where, where they're adding some of these like 40k HQ units because last edition, you know, a lot of people wanted to use these models, but they didn't want to play commanders. And um, some of these models are so cool. And I'm just happy that, you know, stuff like this is now in the game. Um, outside of that, you can no longer do more than one fusion or neuro disruptor. You can have one of each. And outside of that, it's just shuriken. So right off the bat, that tells me that they're going to have a lot less, uh, flow chart style play against, especially against elite teams who would just pull up and see three fusions and basically just walk away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we even look at the models, I think that this makeup is a lot more interesting. And most importantly, you only need to buy one box of Harlequin players now because you have six of them. And then, I mean, you have to buy the two heroes, but it's a lot less models wasted, I feel, yeah. just to build one team. Yeah. So yeah, um, making up the actual kill team, we'll just break it down for you here right now. There's the uh, lead player, uh, who's going to be like your leader. Uh, so he's going to be equipped with either a fusion pistol or a neuro disruptor or a shuriken pistol and a blade caress embrace harlequin kiss or a power weapon. The death gesture will get into them later on. The shadow seer um, is either going to be equipped with a misstave and one of the following a neuro disruptor or a shuriken pistol. And then the, uh, the players once again, can either take Fusion Pistol, Neuro Disruptor, Shuriken Pistol, uh, Blade Caress, Embrace, or Kiss. So not very many options, but I mean, it's the Harlequins, and it really doesn't matter if they don't have that many options. They're just so good yeah. at a base level, and we'll get on, we'll get into their models later on in this. But now we are going to go ahead and just talk about their TAC Ops. Yeah. So the archetypes are the same, Infiltration, Recon, and Seek, but now we have these three faction-specific TAC Ops. So I'll start with Mythic Play, because uh, this is the first one. 
so this is uh, revealed in the target reveal step of the first turning point. So there's something we're going to talk about after this called Sadath. Sadath. And uh, it involves you tallying uh, like your perf- these performances that this faction does. So the Mythic Play faction tack op uh, involves you keeping track of your performance tallies, which again, we're going to get into later. But uh, basically, if your performance tally is four or more, you score one VP. And if it's six or more, you score another VP. Uh, next up is the Hero's Path. So you can reveal this tack up when a friendly Void Dancer troop operative incapacitates an enemy operative at the end of the battle. If that friendly operative has incapacitated more enemy operatives than each other friendly Void Dancer troop operative has during the battle, you score one VP. And if that friendly operative is wholly within your opponent's drop zone, you score another VP. So initially when I first read this, I thought, eh, it's kind of weird that I have to make sure that I have a single model who's getting more kills than the other. But really, it's it's quite simple because you just reveal it whenever. Whenever a Void Dancer operative incapacitates an enemy operative. So just yeah. make sure that that model is the one with the most kills that you reveal this on. And then at the end of the battle, if you have them in the deployment zone, that's an easy two points for you right there. Yep, it's pretty flexible. Uh, and then on top of that, the third faction tack up is called Grand Act. Uh, so you reveal this in the target reveal step of any turning point. And when it's revealed, you start a Grand Act tally, adding one to the tally the first time each different performance, which again we'll get into, is completed by any friendly Void Dancer troop operative. So... And it does not have to be the active allegory's performance. So basically, this one is... I don't actually think this is too difficult. Uh, and, and it'll be easier to explain this once we're talking about the performances. But So I won't get too into it. But again, I actually think this one is quite doable. Only needing to do the, the, the specific performances one time each for Grand Act. Because a lot of them are basic enough that it's things you're going to be doing anyway. So I guess we should probably get into the Sidath, the Sadath. How do you think it's pronounced? I think it's uh, Sadath. So basically, this is the whole unique thing about the Void Dancer troop kill team. So when you select your kill team for the battle, you have to select an allegory to be active for it during the battle, and you reveal it to your opponent. So at the start of the first strategy phase you select one of your models to be to have the pivotal role for that allegory uh, and while it has the friendly or while while that model has the pivotal role it has the accolade ability of the active allegory so this might all sound very weird and confusing but uh, i'll try to make it as simple as possible basically you keep a performance tally so each one of these allegories has a specific performance that it is tied to the first time uh, a model completes the performance you add one tally to your performance tally and the first time your pivotal role operative completes the performance you add a tally for that and it's cumulative so when the pivotal role guide does the performance you basically get two tallies because it's the first time they're doing it and they're getting a tally for being the pivotal role and now once you have four marks on your performance tally all of your models get the accolade that is tied to that allegory for the rest of the battle you get a command point right right off the bat and then in any subsequent turns you generate an additional command point so if you get this turn two you get a cp then 
and you get four more CP across turns three and four. So that is an outrageous amount of command points. And I guess let's talk about what the actual allegories are. There's five of them. Uh, I'll start with comedy. So if you pick the allegory comedy, the performance that you need to do is performing a fallback action. So you fall back with a model, you get a performance tally on that. Uh, and the accolade, which is the basically uh, the pivotal role gets the accolade regardless. But once you've got four performance tallies, everybody gets the accolade. It's like a team-wide bonus. And the accolade for comedy is when a operative performs a fallback action, it can do it for one less action point. So you can fall back for one APL. And then there is epic. Ryan, do you want to get into epic? Yeah, so for the performance for epic, the operative incapacitates an enemy operative in combat by inflicting damage with two or less attack dice in the resolved successful hit step. And then the accolade for it is each time this operative fights in combat in the resolved successful hit step of that combat, if you did not retain any critical hits, you can strike or parry with one normal hit as if it were a critical hit. So that is quite good. And the performance, I think, is quite easy because anything that's eight wounds or less, you're going to kill it in two or less hits in melee. So right. that's something to keep in mind. Uh, and then moving on to melodrama. So the performance for melodrama is the operative incapacitates an enemy operative in a shooting attack by inflicting damage with two or more attack dice in the result of successful hit step. Uh, not too crazy. A lot of the time you're going to be getting, if you're killing something and shooting, you're probably getting more than two hits. And uh, the accolade tied to melodrama, uh, each time this operative makes a shooting attack in the roll attack dice step of that shooting attack, you can re-roll one of your attack dice. So pretty nice bonus there. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have Odyssey. The operative performs a charge action and ends the move within six inches of your opponent's drop zone. So that's the performance for that. And then the accolade is this operative can move up to a distance equal to its movement characteristic plus three inches for charge actions instead of plus two inches. I mean, yeah, pretty, charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty nice. Uh, and then last but not least, we have Tragedy. Uh, and the performance for tragedy is uh, the operative loses wounds from a shooting attack made by an enemy operative. Easy. And the accolade for tragedy is each time a shooting attack is made against this operative and the roll defense dice step of that shooting attack before rolling your defense dice. If it is not in cover, you can retain one as a successful normal save without rolling it. There's a lot. First of all, before we get into like what we think is like easier or whatever, there's so much flavor here. This is so ridiculous, but I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about this like as a mechanic? As a mechanic, I think it's super interesting. Um, there's nothing in here really that I see it and I'm like, oh, this is potentially like overpowered and game breaking. I think it's just, it's a cool way to get bonuses army-wide potentially. And if you pick the right ones in the right matchup, they'll definitely help you out. But I, I don't think this is like game breaking or anything. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into it later. But I think it's important context that the Sadath, uh, you can change your allegory. Because as I mentioned, you select an allegory at the beginning of the game. You can change your allegory with your leader once per game. And the tallies will remain from whatever you had before. Right. So there's a lot of uh, like strategy here as to what you start with and then you know, what you might be able to get easy tallies on early on and then switching it later on in a, in a different turn to something where you might want the, the accolade more so. So uh, very interesting. Um, and there's so much like, it's such a power spike when you get this off. I mean, so much command points. And we've talked in the past about how good 
Harlequin ploys are. So, I mean, we're about yeah. to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's just go and get right into those ploys. Um, we'll start out with the strategic ploys here. So, I'll start us off here uh, with Between Colors. Um, this is for 1CP. All of their uh, ploys, both strategic and tactical, are for 1CP. So, Between Colors, until the end of the turning point, friendly Void Dancer troop operatives can perform shoot actions during normal move actions. Uh, in parentheses, it says any remaining increments of movement can be used after performing the shoot action, and you cannot select a Shrieker Cannon uh, for those shooting attacks, which makes sense. So this is kind of like, um, gosh, just army-wide fire and fade, really? Yeah, this is so, so good. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this play, but I think this is fantastic. This is ridiculously good, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of ridiculously good plays, Shane... Oh, Domino Field. So, Domino Field is, uh, if you're familiar with Harlequins from the Compendium, Domino Field is the same, but they did nerf it a little bit, which I think is for the best. So, the only difference here, uh, and I'll explain, I guess, quickly what Domino Field does. Uh, basically, you spend a CP, and until you perform a shooting action, your model, each individual model, as long as they're in cover, they are considered to be concealed regardless of any other rules, like vantage point, so on. So before, you would see Harlequin players just popping this every single turn and kind of dictating when they're allowed to get shot. But now, it no longer works if the opposing, if the, if the shooting model is within six inches of the Harlequin. This isn't going to help so much turn one, where, you know, the Harlequins are so far away that you're not going to get within six inches to drop their domino field. But really in those, like, turns two, three, four moments when they're further up the board, when they're kind of in like the mid board area, um, they're going to be less likely to benefit from Domino Field. So I think that's a pretty good nerf, and it's still quite a strong strategic play for sure. Yeah. Uh, the third strategic play is Prismatic Blur. Until the end of the turning point, each time a friendly Void Dance troop operative performs an action which it moves, it is a Prismatic Blur until the end of the turning point. Each time a shooting attack is made against a friendly operative that is a Prismatic Blur, in the roll defense dice step of that shooting attack, you can re-roll one of your defense dice. So, so I really like that. The thing about that is, so Prismatic Blur was already a compendium Harlequin tactic, but they took away half of it, and they split it into a different ploy, which we'll talk about next. So before it was like you get once you move, you get the defense dice, you know, reroll for that model. Um, but you also would get the ability to, you know, whenever somebody attacks you with a normal hit, you roll a d6 and on a four up it parries instead. So that it no longer has that part. It just has the defense dice reroll. Um, and the parry thing, they basically took that and they put that into a new ploy uh, called Segrax just here, which I'll talk about now. So until the end of the turning point, each time a friendly Void Dance or Troop operative fights in combat, once in the resolve successful hit step of that combat, when your opponent strikes you with a hit, you roll 1d6, and if the result is equal to or less than the weapon skill characteristic of the enemy operative's selected melee weapon, treat that strike as a parry instead. So this is different than it was outside of being its own thing. So I'll explain the ways that it's different and why I think it's kind of better. Uh, for starters, you don't have to activate first to benefit from it. You just use the ploy and everybody gets it. Um, and it's each time it fights in combat. 
So that is better. And now it's no longer roll a d6 and a four up. It's roll a d6. And if it's equal to or less than the weapon skill, then it parries. And so against something that hits on threes, like most things, it's the same. It's a, still a 50-50. But if they hit on a four, maybe, then now there's a two-thirds chance you're, they're, you're just going to force them to parry instead. Um, it is going to be worse against like things that hit on twos, which I think is overall better. But the big thing here uh, is it only happens once, but it works against crits now as well. Before, mm-hmm. it only worked against normal hits, and it was just a four-up all the time. This change, I think, uh, except for in the small situations where you are fighting like a sergeant that hits on twos, I think this is usually better. I mean, it seems that way to me because you don't have to like, there's less qualifiers to activate it. Like you don't have to move a model or something before they can get it. So like if your opponent goes first and charges you, you'll still get Cygrax chest. Uh, And just the ability to stop a crit. Like before they could, if it was like a model with lethal five, they could kind of force it through and force you to take damage, but now you can stop that. All right, so next up here for the uh, tactical plays, we have Murderous Entrance. Uh, uses tactical ploy in the resolve successful hit step of a combat after a friendly uh, Void Dancer troop operative that performed a charge action during this activation strikes with a critical hit. Uh, you can immediately select one of your remaining attack dice and strike with it. So charge, roll your attack dice, you get a crit, you get to immediately select one of your remaining attack dice and strike with it. Pretty good. Yeah, so that's the same as it was. Still really good. Uh, And I believe Curtain Falls is the same as it was. So basically, one CP after you strike in melee, you can fall back for one APL. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got a new one here called Ruthless Derision. After rolling your attack dice for a shooting attack made by a friendly Void Dancer troop operative in an activation in which it performed a fallback action, you get to reroll any or all attack dice for that shooting attack. So really strong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how often you fall back with Harlequins most of the time, but just having this in your back pocket, I think is really, really good. Uh, next up is Capricious Roll. Uh, use this tactical play when a friendly Void Dancer troop operative is activated until the end of its activation. The operative can perform dash and charge actions while within engagement range of enemy operatives. Interesting. Yeah, so, so... that's a nice bit of mobility that you otherwise yeah, wouldn't get. You used to be able to get this through the Rising Crescendo strategic play, which is no longer here. Um, I always felt that that part of the ploy was too niche to be a strategic play. So I think the fact that they kind of package that part into attack ploy is pretty good overall. Mm-hmm. So that is about it for the ploys. I guess, do we just want to get into the models? Yeah, let's get into the models now. We'll come back to the psychic powers when we actually talk about the Shadow Seer. Um, do you want to start us off with the lead player? Yeah, so this is the leader. Uh, nine wounds still. Um, it's basically what you would come to expect from the Harlequin leader. There's a couple things I want to highlight really quick, though. Uh, first of all, the caress, the Harlequin's caress, is different now than the compendium version. So before it was five attacks hitting on fours, damage five, six. Now it's five attacks, uh, twos or threes, depending if it's the leader or normal guy, uh, damage four, five with rending. 
So I like this a lot more than the old version. This provides like some breakpoints against 10 moon models that you didn't have otherwise without using the four up weapon skill profile. Um, I found that caresses were something that you almost never took before. So changing the caress to be a little bit more reliable, I think is a good thing. Uh, it gets access to all the things we mentioned earlier, though, the lead player, and it has the performance lead ability. So once per battle in the strategy phase, when it's your turn to use a strategic ploy or pass, you can use performance lead, and then you are allowed to select a different allegory to be active for your kill team, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and you get to select a new operative for the pivotal role. So uh, your performance tail remains unchanged. So again, there's a lot of strategy in when you change it and what you change it to. And uh, yeah, and if it was already four or more, all of your uh, Void Dancer troop operatives have the accolade of the new allegory instead. So really important, really a big deal. I think a lot of the time you're going to use it turn two after ramping up a couple points in the first turn on your tally. So cool. Do you want to talk about the Death Jester? Yeah, so I love the Death Jester. Um, this model, it's got the same basic stat line as all of the other, well, not all of the other Harlequins. It's got the same basic stat line as the lead player. Um, but it, this model is armed with the Shrieker Cannon. So this is a ranged weapon with five attacks, hitting on threes, uh, damage four, five, with Fusillade, Heavy, and uh, Rending. It has a special rule called Humbling Cruelty. So uh, each time a friendly operative makes a shooting attack with this weapon in the resolve successful hit step of that shooting attack, if the target loses any wounds, the target is injured until the end of the turning point. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, and then we have the Shrieker Blade, which is like the, the long scythe on the end of the Shrieker Cannon, I guess. Hmm. Um, so it's uh, four attacks, hitting on threes, damage three, four, with uh, Reap two. Um, appropriate. Uh, for unique actions, uh, for 2 AP, it has Shrieking Harvest. Uh, perform a free shoot action with this operative using the Shrieker Cannon. It is equipped with the Shrieker Cannon. Uh, has the Torrent Special Rule instead of the Fusillade Special Rule for that shooting attack. That is insane. <laughs> so, Torrent, uh, it's basically, it's like Blast, but instead of it's a little bit worse than Blast. It's just you get to shoot. It's usually it's Flamers have Torrent. Yeah. Um, you can basically, if you're able to, you can shoot any other model within two inches of the main target. So it's not like Fusillade where you're splitting your shots. You're making a whole different shooting attack, kind of like with Blast. Um, the only difference is, like I said, you need to be able to shoot that model with Torrent. Whereas with Blast, it'll just hit anybody within two inches of the target, regardless of whether you can even see those other models. So not quite as good, but, but I mean, this is really strong if you if you get it off. Mm -hmm. It's like a pseudo-Blast, kind of. Yeah. And before we go any further, I just want to preface that all of the models that we're talking about today, they all have the hollow suit, which uh, grants them all a four-up invulnerable save. So if you didn't know anything about Harlequins before that, uh, you do now. And if you don't know that, we should probably also tell you that they all fly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they all fly. Uh, so, I mean, this weapon is heavy, the Shrieker Cannon, but as we'll get into later, um, there's some stuff to 
to compensate for that. that. Yeah. To make up for that. So the basic player, I don't think there's anything that we need to talk about here that I didn't already cover. I mean, they're yeah. eight wounds. <laughs> That's about the only difference. Uh, but we have the Shadow Seer over here. Uh, the Shadow Seer also has nine wounds, like the Leader and the Death Jester. It gets a either a Neuro Disruptor or a Shuriken Pistol. It gets a Mist Stave uh, for melee, which is like a staff, kind of. It, yeah. It's four attacks on threes, damage four or five with stun. So nothing too crazy. It's like a decent weapon. And it has the Manifest Psychic Power action for one APL. And uh, it's got a few cool powers, and it can perform the manifest psychic power action twice during its activation. So that's pretty cool because these are three APL models that we're talking about. So, do we want to talk about the psychic powers really quick? Yeah, let's dive into those. So, um, I'll start us off here with the Veil of Tears. Uh, select one friendly Void Dancer troop operative visible to this operative until the end of the turning point. Uh, for the purposes of determining line of sight, while that operative is more than six inches from the active op from the active operative, it is in cover. And enemy operatives cannot end a charge action within engagement range of that operative unless they began that action within six inches of it, or they would also end that action within engagement range of another friendly operative from your kill team. That's really good, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So, like the first bullet. So a lot of the time you're going to be on missions where like there's a back objective in your DZ that's kind of not in your DZ, but like closer to your DZ. It's really out in the open and there's not a lot of cover on it or maybe no cover at all. Um, and you can like throw Veil of Tears on a model and just put it on that objective. And assuming you have Domino Field up, since it's considered to be in cover, it just cannot get shot, even if it's, you know, out in the open, nobody around, uh, nothing no, or no cover around it. So I, I like that. And then uh, the other part, I think, is like pretty huge if you can get it off in the right situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just saying like you can't charge this model if you're not like within six inches of it. So yeah. I really like that. And I guess moving on to the next psychic power, uh, Fog of Dreams. So select one ready enemy operative visible to this operative and roll 1d6. Until the end of the turning point, that enemy operative is treated as having a group activation characteristic of 1 and cannot be activated or perform actions until it is the last enemy operative to be activated or a number of enemy operatives have been activated equal to the results of the d6. I really, really like this power, Shane. It's very interesting. I mean... It's, I mean, the range of outcomes is pretty wild. Like it's yes. a D6, like you could delay a model's activation by one or by six. <laughs> um, either way, though, I mean, just being able to delay something that your opponent wants to do, I think is a really powerful ability that mm -hmm. we haven't seen much in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, next up is Mirror of Minds. Select one enemy operative with this operative, uh, excuse me, within this operative's line of sight. Both players roll 66. You pair your dice with your opponent's dice batch based on matching results. Uh, for each matching pair, that enemy operative suffers one mortal wound. So, for example, if you roll a 6, a 5, a 5, a 4, a 2, and a 1, and your opponent rolls a 6, a 5, a 4, a 4, a 3, and a 1, that enemy operative would suffer four mortal wounds because you both rolled... Uh, or 
dice that pair up with each other. Yeah, so this one's super, like, there's definitely some stuff to consider on this one. So for starters, it says within this operative's line of sight. So that actually means that it has the same qualifiers as like a shooting action, kind of. You just don't need to be engaged. Yeah. So like if the model is concealed in cover, you can't use Mirror of Minds on it. Uh, whereas Fog of Dreams that I said before, the model just needs to be visible. Uh, the other stuff doesn't matter as long as you can see it. It, it isn't that easy to get off. And I uh, somebody did the uh, ran the math on Mirror of Minds on how many mortal wounds you're statistically expected to get. And I don't have that pulled up right now, but I know the vast majority of the time you're going to do three or less mortal wounds with this. Uh, I think it's like over 80% of the time you're projected to get like three. And 99% of the time you're going to get one. Like 94% of the time you'll get at least two. Um, and then once you get like four matching pairs, it's like a 30 something percent chance. It's like a big drop. So I, I don't love mirror of mines. Uh, it's definitely there for like chip damage to like weaken a guy that's already close to death or like just bring a model slightly closer to, uh, to death for one of your melee models to, to run in and kill it maybe. Yep. So that does it for the psychic powers. For the shadows yeah, here. One other thing for the shadows here that I wanted to talk about, and that's the hallucinogenic or hallucinogen grenade uh, for one APL. Uh, select one point on the kill zone within six inches of this operative. Roll 1d6 for each operative within circle of that point, subtracting one from the results if that operative is not visible to this operative. On a four up, subtract one from that operative's APL. In addition, on a six, that operative, I, I'm saying operative so many times. On a six, that operative suffers one mortal wound. This operative can only perform this action once per battle and cannot perform this action while within engagement range of an enemy operative. I hope you caught that because I was way too distracted by how many times I just said the word operative in like a minute period. Yeah, definitely some uh, legalese going on here with the rules writing. But um, yeah, is Shane, is this good? Um, I mean... It's definitely interesting. Uh, I mean, you you can only do it once per game. And you can't do it in engagement range, which is whatever. Um, basically, you're rolling to see if you, if you stun them, essentially. And then there's like the small chance that you might do one mortal wound, which is kind of whatever. It's not amazing, but situationally, I can see where it, it like moments where it can be useful. For sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, that does it for all of the models. Um, so I guess now all that's left really is to get into the equipment. So I can start us off here with the Shrieker Toxin Rounds. So uh, the Shrieker Toxin Rounds are priced at 3 and 4 uh, EP. Uh, select one Shuriken Pistol or Shrieker Cannon uh, the operative is equipped with. The weapon gains the Mortal Wound 1 critical hit rule for the battle, and if you selected a Shrieker Cannon, this equipment costs 4 EP, otherwise it costs 3 EP. Yeah, so same as it was, but now you can spend an extra point and uh, put it on a Shrieker Cannon, which yeah. is nice. Uh, and it's nice that all these weapons that can take it have the rending rule, so if you get one crit, you're getting another crit, so you're doing at least two Mortal Wounds whenever you proc this, which is really cool, and I think it basically 
makes the uh, the shrieker toxin or the the shrieker cannon weapon profile. It's effectively four six, so yeah. that's really good. <laughs> uh, it makes shuriken or the yeah the shuriken pistols three five instead of three four, uh, effectively. So pretty cool. I love the shrieker toxin rounds personally. I think it's really good in a lot of matchups. Um, next up is the death mask for three equipment points. So this is the same as it was. You give a guy a death mask and when they die, you get a CP. This team can get so much CP. Yeah. And all of their ploys are so good. Yeah. Um, next up we have the accelerated monofilament wire for three equipment points. Select one embrace the operative is equipped with that weapon gains the reap one critical hit rule and lethal five up special rule for the battle. Yeah, All right. Pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next is the super tensile monofilament wire. That's a mouthful. Uh, select one kiss. Oh, and this is three equipment points as well. Select one kiss the operative is equipped with. This is the same as it was. Add one to the normal damage. So the kisses do three seven. With this, they do four seven. Um, I really like this uh, because three damage is really bad. <laughs> so yes. having it be four seven uh, really helps with like that reliability. Um, and I think you'll take kisses more on this team than you did with the old team because with the uh, with some of the accolade with the accolade on some of those allegories, you might be able to benefit from kisses a little bit more than before. Uh, next up here is the Wraithbone Talesman for three equipment points. The operative gains the following ability for the battle: once per battle, when the operative is fighting in combat, making a shooting attack, or a shooting attack is made against it. Uh, you can use the command reroll tactical ploy without spending any command points. Uh, I really like this for like fusion pistols. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because I think if you're using a fusion pistol and you're within three inches of an enemy model, you really can't afford to whiff. Uh, usually, Very like true. if a if a harlequin is within three inches of you and it shoots you and you survive, that is very likely a dead harlequin. So, so for something like a fusion pistol, I think a Wraithbone Talisman is a solid take. Uh, next up, we have Prismatic Grenades. This is three equipment points. It is basically a plasma grenade, so four shots on threes, damage three, four, blast two, but it has stun. Uh, this is solid. Um, it's If you're using it, you're really using it just to benefit from blast and indirect, you know, like grenade stuff, because... Uh, people are so high in grenades, understandably, that when you look at a prismatic grenade, it's actually easy to forget sometimes that as far as single target damage goes, this is worse than just your basic shuriken pistol that has rending. Uh, just keep that in mind when you're using a prismatic grenade. It is explicitly useful for the utility of it. It's not like a crack grenade where you just take it because it's so good and it's also a grenade. <laughs> Uh, here we have pure psycho crystals, so you can only take this once, which makes sense given that it's basically an attachment to a weapon that you can only take once. Um, select one narrow disruptor the operative is equipped with. That weapon gains the lethal five up special rule for the battle. Yeah, that's, for, that's okay. Yeah, for three equipment points, there's a there's a lot of stuff here that's like good, but you can't take all of it, which is yeah. cool because that lends itself to. Uh, complexity in list building for this team, which I really like. Yeah, I will say with Compendium Harlequins, I played a lot of that team, and the pure Psycho Crystals is probably the only equipment piece I never took. So 
this is a different team, of course, but uh, I will let that speak for itself, I guess. Um, and last, we have the support grip, which is one equipment point. So it, before I even get into it, you'll notice that almost all of this stuff is three equipment points. So mm. you'll end up with one point left over. Yeah, the so, math is uh, the math is adding up. Yeah. So and on top of that, it is really good for one equipment point. So this is only for the Death Jester. It removes the heavy special rule from the Shrieker Cannon and replaces it with the Cumbersome Rule. So basically, this just means an operative cannot move more than three circle in the same activation in which it performs a shoot action with this ranged weapon. So it is basically, it's a suspensor system for one equipment point on your Death Jester. Uh, who has fly, so you can, yes. you know, <laughs> you can really, I mean, this is really, really good. Um, it's an auto-take. It's no longer, yeah, it's no longer a slow model once you give it the support grip. It's now an average speed model with fly. <laughs> yeah. Just can't. Oh, so good. Inches, yeah. So good. Um, and I think that about covers everything. Uh, was there anything else that, that you wanted to that, bring up as far as the Void Dancers? That covers most of the basic stuff. Um, basically, the one question I have for you is how would you wind up kitting out these Harlequins? Who would get the Fusion Pistol? Who would get a Neuro Disruptor? Um, what kind of melee weapons would you take in certain matchups? I think as far as the, the fusion and neuro goes, uh, a lot of people are going to do this differently than me. Like I know some people are going to say like, Oh, give your leader a shuriken because he hits on twos and that way you have more threats. I think that's valid. Uh, what I want to do personally is give my leader the fusion because my leader hits on twos. And yeah. like I mentioned earlier with the fusion, I really don't want to whiff with that weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I like the leader with the fusion pistol. You can do the neuro disruptor on either a regular player or a shadow seer though. Both are honestly fine. In my opinion, maybe the shadow seer could utilize it a little bit more because he's going to be less killy than your average player. So I, I think maybe I'd lean towards giving the shadow seer a neuro, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be kind of close. Uh, and as far as the melee weapons go, your leader will always have a power weapon. Uh, and then the rest of your team, your regular players, I think the go-to is still the Harlequin Blade. Uh, five attacks on threes, damage four, five, and balanced. I just think it's going to be the most reliable one, the most, you know, instances. Although I think with uh, if, if you're able to reliably get your Sadath by turn two, I think, you know, there might be a place to take a lot of Harlequin Kisses because if every one of your models is guaranteed to do seven damage when it, on, on its first attack, that is extremely strong, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I do like how the Caress is a little bit different now. Maybe that's something you can take in, like, the Orc matchup or, or, or in instances where you want to get 10 damage off reliably, which was something that Harlequin struggled with a bit beforehand. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this team is a lot deeper than the Compendium version and a lot more interesting. Yeah. So they are deeper. They are a lot more interesting. Do you think that this team is a flat upgrade? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, overall, I've seen some people say they think it's worse. I just can't agree with that. Yeah, it's certainly I don't not, see that. It's, it's not as easy to play, but I think the the areas where they got stronger 
are are a little bit you know it takes a slightly more skilled player to benefit from these things which i think is good so i think it ends up being a higher skill floor and a higher skill ceiling mm-hmm. and this is this is absolutely still a very very strong team probably top four in the game i would say which is where i thought they were before <laughs> yeah well all right guys that basically wraps it up for our review of the uh harlequin void dancer kill team rules let us know what you guys think of this team in the comments section below don't forget to hit like and uh subscribe and all that if you are so willing to help support us, go ahead and check out our Patreon, where we have exclusive content that you can only find there, as well as early access to our videos and uh, podcast episodes and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, thank you guys for watching, and we will see you all again in the next one.